Welcome to the Carnivore Cast, a podcast focused on the carnivore diet and lifestyle, with practical advice from successful carnivores, citizen scientists, and top researchers. I'm your host, Scott Meslinski, and I'm here to speak with experts and experienced carnivores to get answers to your biggest and meatiest questions while helping you live your best life as a carnivore. This episode is brought to you by LMNT Electrolytes. This month, we're switching it up with an exclusive offer that's only for VIP LMNT partners, including Carnivore Cast listeners. You can now receive this free sample pack along with any regular purchase when you use my custom link, which is provided in the show notes or my Instagram link in bio. That's drinklmnt.com forward slash carnivorecast, all one word. And as I said, I'll include the link in the show notes. LMNT electrolytes are convenient, evidence-based, and delicious. And get yours today to help support the show. Thank you. Martin Silva at Martin Silva Fitness is the host of Optimize Your Body, a podcast talking about all things lifestyle, nutrition, and mindset with past guests like Dr. Sean Baker. Martin has dedicated his life to helping ambitious people become the best version of themselves with over 15 years as a coach. He switched to an animal-based diet two years ago and it has been life-changing for him. Welcome to the show, Martin. Thanks for having me on, Scott. Really excited to be on the Carnival Cast, man. I'm a I'm a big fan of the show. Yeah, yeah, and um, I've I've been consuming some of your content on on Instagram. Um, I think you have some fantastic free content there for folks. Um, so I think this will be a great chat. Um, so I wanted to start with with your story. You know, how how did you kind of get to where you are and and um, becoming a coach and eventually uh, finding an animal based diet? And and don't don't feel the need to rush through that. Uh, we can take okay. as much time as we need with that. <laughs> That's all good. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get stuck in. So for me, I like I said to you off air, I'm actually from the UK originally, but I live in Australia. I moved to Australia five and a half, half years ago. We'll get to that, the reason behind the move. But yeah, I um, I started off as a personal trainer. I've always been into sports and playing. I used to play rugby, right? So Wales in the UK is our number one sport there. Always played rugby, always played sports from a young kid. Got into lifting weights from a young age, from like 15, 16, 16. Fell in love with it. And then I didn't really, to be honest, in school, didn't really do too well. Went to college or sixth form, whatever you guys call it there. Uh, and I didn't even complete, I didn't even make it to uni, but I fell in love with fitness so much that I was lucky by the age of 18, I'd already got into like teaching classes. And then I started getting into personal training. So now I'm 35 and basically I live, breathe and eat this stuff, you know? So got into that at a young age. And like I said, super passionate about it. Absolutely loved it. And then I, just to kind of fast forward a bit then, I actually got into uh, into bodybuilding then as well. I could obviously go back to childhood, but we'll be here for like three hours, man. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just a cut along story short of my childhood, you know what I mean? Always into sports, always very active, uh, brought up by a, a single mother, you know what I mean? Um, my dad, you know, my dad wasn't, wasn't around and stuff like that. And I think that's why my mum kind of encouraged me uh, to play sports more and to have that camaraderie and stuff, which is a great thing for me because it, it built my character, that competitive, that competitiveness, I think for a, for a young lad, especially is really important. Um, but yeah, just to fast forward then, obviously I was a PT. And then when I got to my, uh, I was about 25, I then got into bodybuilding. So men's physique, you know about men's physique, Scott, obviously who doesn't? Yeah. The board shorts, of course. The yeah. board shorts. That's right. Mate. I had to hide the legs at that time as well. So it was just as well. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I got into that and that was literally off a whim kind of thing. So someone said to me, you know, Mark, you're in great shape. You should do it. It's coming to Wales. So, all right, I'll just jump on stage. Didn't really, 
you know, my nutrition was pretty good then at that point, but I didn't really have the education. I was eating, I was eating more whole foods than I'd ever eaten at that point, to be honest. It just kind of happens like a natural progression. Started off, you know, what it's like from a young age, the same old story, you know, processed foods, eating cereal for breakfast, all that crap from a young age. And then at that point, obviously being into my fitness for so long, uh, I'd started eating better, but I didn't know what I was doing. Jumped on stage and I came like second. And then I qualified for like the British finals. And then I ended up getting sucked into that wall then basically. And um, getting into the British finals then, which was like five weeks later, that's when I kind of developed a poor relationship with food because I was doing it the wrong way. I wasn't really in a position with where I was at with my relationship with food, even my relationship with myself, to be honest, to actually be jumping on stage. Uh, And then I ended up getting uh, struggling with emotional eating basically for about probably about two years then um, through the midst of competing um, and everything else. But even when I wasn't competing, like in between shows and stuff, I would just struggle on the weekends, you know, it'd be the typical, you know, all or nothing mentality, hit the big shiny red off button on the weekends. And then it would just be getting out of hand. You know what I mean? So yeah, but that, um, I, I basically ended up doing nine bodybuilding competitions in my, in my twenties, uh, moved to Australia. Then when I was, when I was 29, did one more comp here back in 2019, never do another one again. That's it for me now. Nine comps more than enough. Um, but yeah, so I had to kind of um, really work on my relationship with food, work on fixing the issues that I had because the emotional eating, or it was sometimes binge eating, to be honest, on the weekends, it was getting so out of hand. It was impacting my mental health, of course, because uh, it went on for like 18 months to two years. And also it was really just damaging my gut. I was getting so many gut issues. So I thought, right, something needs to change. And that's when I just started basically eating more whole foods. So at the time, I was eating omnivore. I was eating a lot of vegetables. I started just eating more vegetables, uh, more good quality animal proteins. And then slowly but surely, because I always say this to people, and I, I take this approach with clients, if you try to just restrict all of your favorite foods straight away, it's just not going to be sustainable. So I always have the same approach with my clients now, thankfully to my experience, from, from my experience, is you know add in foods that they're missing out on, add in whole foods, and now obviously predominantly uh, animal-based sources, good quality where you're going to get most of your nutrients and everything else, which we'll, we'll talk about. So yeah, then I, uh, it was only two years ago then. So I moved to Australia when I was 29, that was five and a half years ago. And then it was, uh, I was just getting, even though I was eating whole foods, I was probably eating 60% uh, plants. I was eating loads of vegetables. So I was the guy, right, Scott, no problem. I could eat bowls of broccoli and cauliflower, olive oil and salt. And I used to love it. I used to enjoy eating it, right? It wasn't, I was that guy, kale, spinach, all the most kind of like the ones with the highest amount of defense chemicals in them. But the big one for me, which done the most damage was potatoes. I just cannot, uh, the nightshade family as well, obviously as part of the nightshade family, uh, potatoes and other foods with like oxalates in, but definitely sweet or white potatoes, mainly sweet potatoes, just causing the most issues. So what I did is I gradually started reducing. Obviously I, um, I looked into, you know, podcasts like yourself, Dr. Sean Baker and started educating myself. And then I just thought, right, let's give it a go. And I just started eliminating those more kind of toxic uh, plants and just eating mainly fruits and predominantly meat. And things started to really change. I fixed my gut. So I was getting skin issues, getting major gut issues constantly. You know, you know how it is, putrid stuff. You know, it's just not, not I don't want to talk about that too much, but it, was, uh, it wasn't very uh, pleasant. And it was just really frustrating me, Scott, you know, because I'm really fit, healthy, look after myself, but my internal health wasn't reflecting that. And then obviously two years ago, since making that switch, it's been life-changing, like you said. This episode is brought to you by Optimal Carnivore. Many people I talk to struggle to get enough organ meat on a carnivore diet. There's debate about whether you need to eat organs or not, but I like to supplement with organ meats and it makes me feel better and many carnivores would agree. 
Optimal Carnivore was created by carnivores for carnivores. In fact, I was consulted during the formulation, which is pretty cool. Um, they have a unique organ complex that combines nine different organs, liver, brain, heart, and more, um, all from grass-fed, grass-finished animals in New Zealand. And taking six capsules a day is the same as eating an ounce of raw liver. Um, and it's, it's completely freeze-dried, and they use a very high-quality process to retain all the nutrients. You can use the link in the episode description or um, the link in my Instagram bio and use the code carnwar 10 to save a checkout and support the show. Thank you. So much I can relate to in your story, um, but you've, you've obviously been at it and around the, the fitness space for a lot longer than I have. I've kind of bit the bodybuilding bug in the last two or three years. Um, but actually, uh, the first coach I hired um, for bodybuilding was from Australia. I, I should have mentioned that. Um, Jacob Shepis from oh, I haven't heard of Health him. and Fitness. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know if they're in Sydney. I think they're, I, I forget where they're based. But yeah, online coach, obviously. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, um, he helped me tremendously. Um, and I know there's a great fitness scene over there. Um, as in as in Wales, there's there's bodybuilding shows a lot there. Hundred percent, definitely, um, definitely. But yeah, really interesting that um, you know it's interesting how you can have so much knowledge and experience in the fitness industry, um, but still develop um, and, and theoretically so much control over your nutrition to be able to compete in in bodybuilding shows, but still develop um, some of these. Uh, food behaviors and, and mental challenges around food. I think it's very common in the industry. Yeah, definitely. And one thing I'd like to touch on as well is I've always done it natural and I've got nothing against anyone who takes steroids because I used to compete in non-tested federations against guys on steroids and I still got to the pro level um, with WBFF that was though, not That's with awesome. IFB. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that as well because uh, being natural is like a different, and I think that's better. I think, you know, because obviously you've got, like you say, it's very common. There's a dark side to that world, right? It's not a joke when it comes to what you can do physiologically to your body, but also mainly psychologically, you know, with the restriction and everything else. It's not a healthy thing to do, right? But it's a great thing if you can do it and you can utilize what you've learned from that journey, such a character building process, you know what I mean? I think it'd be, it can be really beneficial, you know? Yeah, I was listening to an interesting podcast yesterday, and um, there's this uh, natural bodybuilder I really respect, Alberto Nunez um, from 3D, the company uh, he works for is 3D Muscle Journey, um, and they put mm -hmm. out a lot of great evidence-based fitness content. Um, and he was talking about the fact that if you think about it, bodybuilder bodybuilding is the most popular sport in the world. Um, cause everyone in some shape or form is a bodybuilder. Even if you don't lift weights, like everyone wants to change the way they look, um, or change their body in some way. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting, um, way to think about it. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Everyone I take on, man, like every single person I take on, although, you know, my message is health and everything else. And obviously that's yeah. the most important thing. They all want to improve the way their body looks simple yeah. as yeah. I'm still driven by that. Scott, I'll be honest. I'm still massively driven by that. Obviously, where we're at now, we're more in tune with ourselves internally and your body starts to reflect that anyway and become the byproduct, which is the great thing. But let's be honest, Scott, right? If you said you didn't want to look good aesthetically, most of the time you're lying, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, unless you're unless you're a Buddhist monk with full ego death, I think everyone has that <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. 
Um, and and one of the things I think it's phenomenal in in a lot of your content, I've seen you focus so much on the mental aspects of getting results. Um, what are some of the biggest barriers you see there and and how you help people get through them? Yeah, so some of the biggest barriers, I would say, first and foremost, is definitely going to be the behaviors, you know, human behavior, right? It's it's very complex, but I started becoming a much better coach, you know, because I've been doing this for a long time, as I said. But if I'm honest, it took me a good, I'm going to be straight, it took me like, what, almost a decade to really start going, actually, you know, this way, this approach of the logistical stuff, right? So if you, if you look at like macros and calories, for example, yeah, that is like the, what is it, the logistical or the mechanistic uh, side of it, right? Which on yeah, paper- Yeah, the X's and O's. Kinda. The X's and O's, that's right. If it fits your macros, it's not going down that road. Uh, <laughs> shouldn't even shout them out, actually. No, but um, it's, you know, it's it's calories and macros. Great. But if it was that simple, everyone would be walking around with, you know, six-pack abs, right? We all know that's not the case. So it's the behaviors. When I started tapping into getting my clients to just be more aware, right? So, for example, you know, one example is, yes, tracking your food, for example, can be a valuable tool to use just to see where you're at. It's not a destination, though. I don't think that's a destination for people. It can be a good starting point. Uh, but yeah, like I say, the biggest challenge I see is like the relationship with food, the behaviors with food. Um, really, there's, there's other things as well, which I'll touch on. But that's the biggest one, really, because a lot of people, for example, in westernized countries, let's just be honest, the average person. I do work with like high achieving people uh, generally um, who are normally at a good level, to be honest, and they want to get to the next level. But I also do have a lot of people that I coach who are just, you know, gem pop, right? And the average person in westernized countries, let's be honest, they don't really know what true hunger is, if we're honest. Obviously, I've done a bodybuilding comp, yeah? I've done nine of them. I know what true hunger is, right? And obviously, I think a good thing for that, without going off too much for me, was just like, obviously, fasting, because intermittent fasting is something I do, I've been doing for like six, seven years. And that kind of taught me what true hunger was. But for most people, they don't really go long enough without food to actually know what the true signals are. And a lot of times it's emotional, right? So just making my clients have that understanding first. Oh, okay. So when I'm bored, I'm doing a tedious task at work. I'm reaching for snacks or, you know, when I'm stressed or I'm lonely or we could keep going down the list. When they start connecting those dots, they become more aware. And again, it always comes down to when you strip everything back though, uh, that's the biggest barrier is getting them. So my clients should just eat more whole foods and less processed foods. That was the biggest barrier. But as I say, people that I take on all, normally uh, at a pretty good level. So it's a case of like just getting them to eat more whole foods and dialing things in. And basically, you know, again, another big one is just consistently hitting enough protein consistently um, because a lot of people say they do. But then again, when you just like use tracking as a tool, for example, what you'll see then is, oh, there's like two, three days in a week or maybe on the weekend where they grossly underrate protein. So even though they might be, for example, good in the week for the most part, where they dial with their food prep and everything else, then they're having like two, sometimes three days where they're grossly under eating protein. It's like, that's not going to cut it. You know what I mean? So that's that's definitely a big one. It's, it's the relationship with food and getting them to eat more whole foods and eliminating the ultra processed foods. Because let's be honest, you know, ultra processed foods are designed to make us overeat. It's a losing battle. There's research to show now that, you know, ultra processed foods make us eat like 508 calories more a day or something. This is a cross study as well. Uh, I won't go too much into the study, but it, it made sense, right? Which would be roughly around about a pound of fat a week you would gain, right? If that's three and a half thousand calories. So it goes to show, I'm glad there's a study on that now because people used to like say, nah, nah, it's not about that. It's about calories, macros and stuff. But reality is we all know that. So getting them to eat more whole foods, at least 90%, you know, good quality animal-based foods, 
um, which maybe we can go more into. Uh, and then, you know, some people are okay with certain vegetables and fruit. As long as they're eating mainly whole foods and eliminating the ultra-processed foods, they get better results. But when I take people on, and they're, which isn't as common nowadays, but when they're eating, like, say, less than 80% whole foods, that's more of a battle then because they're just overeating all the time and they're making poor choices and, and eating foods which are processed, basically. So that's a big one. And the other one then is protein, consistently hitting protein. And then there's there's one more thing then when it comes to um, when it comes to, like, mindset barriers. And a big one is like perfectionism. So you know yourself, right? Being a high achiever, right, Scott? That's something we can struggle with, right? Is, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to make sure everything is 100% all the time. 100%. 100%. So it's just helping people understand that actually, if you're consistent at least minimum 80% of the time with the goals I've set you, nutrition goal, for example, it could be something to do with their lifestyle or whatever, something as simple as movement. Uh, if you're at least 80% consistent, generally you're going to get fantastic results. But the worst thing is perfectionism. Oh shit, you know, I wasn't perfect. I slipped up and then hitting the off button and kind of getting into your own head and then losing momentum. So, and that can happen with things like food tracking as well. So you've got to be careful with some people because they get so obsessed. And I had this problem again, I can relate to so many things because having done so much bodybuilding, I got, I think there's a name for it now, right? Orthorexia or whatever, where I would just like literally track everything, get obsessed. If, it, yeah. if, the, if there was a grain of rice too much on the scales, man, I was like, you know, so that's, that's a big one as well in terms of a mindset barrier is, is perfectionism. And then, uh, and not focusing enough on consistency and just trying to be perfect with things. Cause we all know that causes you a lot of mental stress a lot of wasted energy. And also, you, you, you know, it's, it's a self-sabotage thing for a lot of people. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think orthorexia can, can actually occur a lot in, in these types of ways of eating too, in, in carnivore and mm. keto and, um, people focused on, on certain, um, styles of eating. Um, just, you know, people, for some people, sure, with, with certain conditions, like, you may not be able to tolerate even a little bit of a spice or or any vegetables or anything like that. Um, but I think for the vast majority of people just trying to get a, a little bit healthier, trying to improve their diet. Um, you know, I, I say I'm, I'm very non-dogmatic. I'm not, I don't think carnivore is black or white. Um, and uh, if you, if you are making it overly restrictive and too black or white um, and, and not saying you, that's a bad thing if it works for you. But for some people that that can set them back because they are becoming too obsessive and too focused and, and just making it unnecessarily hard for themselves. You want to make the diet something you can easily stick to and is health promoting and gets you closer to your goals. Definitely. And that's been proven time and time again, right? And we can sit yeah. here and talk about the carnival because the reality is though, I mean, from what I've seen, I've coached a lot of people, but generally, if you're focusing on, you know, getting enough protein in from whole foods, i.e. good quality animal sources, it's kind of hard to go wrong. Like, yeah. uh, obviously, if you're eating too much processed foods, then that's going to be a battle. But generally, when you're having more protein and you're having it from whole foods, it blunts your appetite. You get most of the nutrients you need when you're doing properly, you know what I mean? But you yeah. touched on something then I just want to quickly touch on, because that was a big one, is over over-restricting and not having that flexibility. Yeah. So that's why I was saying that eight, you know, 80% consistent have yeah. that flexibility, you know, because if you're over-restricting, then it's you're more likely to have what I call like a symptom eruption, right? Where, you know, you restrict too much and then boom, you go all out. And before you know it, you know, you've taken one step forward and two steps back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's totally person dependent. Like um, yes, I totally acknowledge that there are people who listen to this who are like, I'm a hundred percent only carnivore foods, very strict, like 
only this cert- certain type of animal foods works for me. And that's great. If that works for you, that's fantastic. Um, but if you're someone who keeps trying a carnivore diet and you find yourself bouncing between restriction and losing control and, and um, eating a lot of processed foods or other foods, um, I, th- I think your approach makes a lot of sense of, of trying to find something that you can sustain and, and does consistently get you closer. That's right. It's just key to meet people where they're at, man, as a coach. Yeah. That's the most important thing as a coach. Totally. You know what I mean? It's so, like you said, there's so many individual variances and some people, they might have a terrible, you know, way of eating and then yeah. they want to go strict carnival. How many times have you seen that? I'm going to go carnival and you're looking where they're at and you're like, maybe yeah. you want to take it a bit slower. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like I would never try to get a relative or someone who is completely <laughs> no un- like, I wouldn't say go on the carnivore diet tomorrow, you know, exactly. um, I would say like, you know, try to eat a little more animal protein at your meals, try to cut down on snacking, try to have consistent meal times, you know, taking, taking baby steps. Absolutely. And, um, I know that you've traveled a lot, <laughs> um, and c- kind of a two-part question, but, um, I guess I'll just take it one at a time. You, you've traveled a lot. What has that taught you about, um, being able to manage, you know, your fitness and your nutrition and being able to help clients too. Cause I'm sure a lot of your clients travel, um, often either taking holidays or, or, um, for work. How has that, um, changed kind of your skill set and the way you're able to help people? Oh, fantastic question. Yeah. So first and foremost, I'll just talk about my journey to Australia. So like I said, I moved here five and a half years ago and it's a very common thing for British people to move here, right? Cause the weather Long story short, the weather's just garbage most of the time in the UK, right? I think that's a big thing that brings us here. And then no one goes back home. If you can get your permanent residency here, which is not an easy thing to do, which I, I've managed to do, um, you know, you're not going anywhere. You're not going back home, right? So just coming out here, Scott, to be honest, like the 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 person I am now to the person I was, you know, five and a half years ago, just completely night and day difference. And I was then I was at a good level with my health and everything, but I really found myself out here on a mental level. And, you know, I had to, I had some friends here from back home and stuff from back home in Wales, but, you know, I've had to kind of meet new people and stuff like that and get around more like-minded people, which is a hell of a lot more of here than there is back home in where I'm from in Wales. You know what I mean? In terms of like people that can help you grow and just just good people and better, better energy. You know what I mean? So that's been, that's been huge for me, but in terms of like travel and being able to like take care of myself, it's, um, it's one of those things. Cause I travel just, for example, I traveled to Europe. I went away for like two months uh, in the summer. I went back home and then I went to, I went to uh, Spain and Italy uh, for a couple of weeks, which was great. But yeah, just for example, being able to stay fit and healthy. Like I, like this, I don't drink much anyway, alcohol, right? So I want to give you some context. I drink, I have a few drinks here and there, but I haven't drank for like three months at all now. And I didn't drink at all for like four months at the start of the year. But when I went to Europe, I was still, I was with my, my best friend. We went, you know, we traveled a bit and I was drinking. I still enjoy the feeling that alcohol gives me, but I just have no desire to have it. You know what I mean? It's just like not something that I really I, I want in my life necessarily. Uh, maybe at Christmas time, I might have one or two, but just to tell people and, and my clients as well, you know, you can still really take care, you can still stay you know, in good shape physically and mentally and travel, right? When you've got to a point where, again, it comes down to like laying the solid foundation where, for example, it's really simple, right? When I was eating out and stuff, if I could get a steak, right? It's easy, right? If I can get some sort of meat on my plate, it's going to keep me more satiated. So it comes down to the decisions really, right? When you're away, it's like, yeah, you can enjoy yourself. You went to Italy, obviously had some pizza, pasta, wine, all the rest of it. But it's like, you know, if you hit that off button and you have, and you just lose the awareness, and you're not even thinking about it, that's when you can, you know, you can do a bit of damage, not a massive amount physiologically depending, 
But mentally, then you start feeling, oh man, I, you know, I, I might have been eating a carnivore diet, for example, yeah. Then I've gone to Italy and I've started eating pasta and I've got sucked in and I've just hit the off button for a few weeks and I just don't feel good now. You know what I mean? Um, and another thing then, it's just like, you know, you can just do the bare minimum as well, just like non-negotiables, basically, like I set with clients. It's like, okay, you're going on holiday. That's cool. Do you have a gym that you could use a couple of times a week? Great. Okay. If you don't, you can take your, you can take your bands because having some form of strength training in the mix regardless of what you're doing is always going to be helpful because it's going to keep your metabolism elevated more. Uh, obviously you're going to get your endorphins, but even if it's something simple, like just getting a pump on with your bands, uh, like I, I'm big on these rubber bands um, because you know, you can basically just, it's resistance training, even if it's low intensity, even if it's 10, 15 minutes, it's going to energize you. Right. And if you, if you, if you hold the water and stuff, when you're way, you're eating out, it just pumps the, the water and stuff into the muscles and stuff as well. So I always say to clients is three big rocks, for example, right? So you can relate this to when you're traveling and basically it's, it's obviously sleep's always going to be number one. That's the foundation, right? If you're not sleeping well, you can forget about these three things, but it's movement, it's training and it's nutrition, right? So I always say, if, you know, try and keep two of them good, right? So if you can keep two of them sharp, then you're okay. So if you go away, right, for example, and your nutrition's off completely, then just do more movement and get some training in. You know what I mean? Same goes if your nutrition's a bit better and you can't get to the gym, you're not training, more movement, and just try and be more mindful of that nutrition. So I think it's quite simple. If you can keep two of those boxes ticked, even when you're away, and it's not to say you're going to be perfect again, um, that can be really, really helpful. But I kind of went off on a tangent there, mate. I hope that was- uh, No, that's awesome. Great information. Um, really awesome. great advice. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly what I was looking for. And- um, yeah, the other thing I was going to bring up, and you kind of brought it up with the bands, is, you know, you've been doing this for 15 years, which I think is incredible. Um, and, you know, you've you've had to adapt through, um, I imagine, like, social media didn't exist when you started um, Instagram and uh, COVID. So, um, like, how how have you had to, like, change and find new ways to, to like, support clients and coach people um, through through some of these, like, massive changes in the way personal training and online training works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's definitely been a complete game changer because my online program, I had like a, before the pandemic, I had a handful of online clients, but I was actually still doing face-to-face -face PT. It was actually when the pandemic hit that I thought, right, this is an opportunity. And I started just tapping more into the online, into the online market. And now it's like, I don't do any, even within the three months, I stopped doing PT and I transitioned into, it just completely blew up. And that was made, that was like the hardest thing I've ever done. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the hardest thing. One of the hardest pursuits ever, right? Building the business and everything else, especially when you're doing it online. Um, so the biggest thing for me is obviously just messaging really, you know, especially when it comes to like, who am I speaking to? What kind of person am I speaking to? Because when I was on the gym floor and the great thing is like the character building and not just, you know, when it comes to um, business and everything else and just confidence in general, but just when I was in the gym, I would approach people and I was just so relentless with it. People used to like laugh at me, the other trainers, because I would go up to people. I was so, I, I once, I used to go up to people on the treadmill. I would go, I don't know how I used to do this, right? I just completely, uh, what's the word, shameless. But I would go up to, like there could be a lineup of people on the treadmill and I would go from one to the next, like Domino's, yeah? Speaking to every single one, right? And just trying to trying to help them, maybe book them in for a free personal training taster session. So all of that, of just approaching people and having the balls to do that, right? Just in day-to-day -day life has gotten me a long way and it's, it's really maybe more thick-skinned and more confident uh, but then when you transition into online it's a different ball game you know the marketing has to be uh, more on point right in terms of the, the results you get and you have to have your messaging right and, and put a lot of time in, and time and effort into your content right as you know all about scott so it's been a big transition but it's been the best thing ever you know obviously yes obviously um you know financially 
But mainly the impact that I'm having now, I'm having way better results than I ever did as a PT because you'll know yourself and your audience will know the stuff outside of the gym. Let's be honest, that's kind of the hardest part. The nutrition, the lifestyle, the mindset, the environment, the stuff outside of the training. Training is still challenging, but for me, that's the fun part. You know, Well, to be honest, I enjoy all of it now, but for a lot of my clients, you know, they say training is the fun part, right? The other stuff can be yeah, challenging. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so now I get better results, bigger impact and more freedom as well, man, which is great. You know, going home, being able to just go home for two months, everything's online, can work anywhere in the world. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's been a challenge, but it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me, man. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, just like how how different that is. And good for you for being uh, so forward with trying to help people in the gym. I, it's funny. I, um, you know, I've trained in commercial gyms uh, forever. And uh, recently the gym I've been at, there's this one personal trainer, I swear, she talks to every single person in there and she's just like so forward. And so she's like always asking people questions like, how's your day? What are you working on today with everyone? And I was like, wow, good for you. Like yes. she's not being, you know, pushy or anything like that. She's just, um, you know, doing her job and trying, trying to get clients. So that's awesome. That's off to it, man. Yeah. 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 It takes a lot of courage to do that. Then it? Cause it's like in the yeah. gym, everyone's watching you as well. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. Not, but you feel like in your head they are right. Yeah. And, and she does a great job at it. Honestly, she like, awesome. feels like a friend. <laughs> so it's like, love wow, she's, she's, she's doing well. Um, but yeah, the, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about, um, like shifting more towards an animal based way of eating. Um, how you found that for yourself and um, maybe how you how you introduce it with your clients um, and, you know, maybe some of the pushback you get from clients and things like that. Of course. Yeah, that's, that's a good question with the pushback. But uh, yeah, for me, I just introduced it really, really simple. I just thought, right, I'll slowly strip away these uh, more kind of quote unquote toxic uh, plants, right? So the broccoli, the kale, the spinach, the pota- and I left potatoes in because I love potatoes, man. It's the frustrating thing. I love them so much, bro. It's so frustrating, right? But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then I was, yeah. And I was like, right. For me, it's me? sweet yeah. potato. I can't, I can't tolerate it at all. It's something with the fiber. Um, Same. Yeah. Same. Yeah, yeah. White potato is not as bad, but that still doesn't work for me. But yeah. So I was, I was down to literally like potato, meats, really, and then just fruits. That was what I was down to. And what I do have every day and what I still have is, uh, is, is coconut yogurt. I do like to have that. And that seems to be fine. I'm like, to get the calories in as well as an easy way to get the calories. And I like to have that with fruit. That's like my thing every, most evenings. But yeah, so that's basically what I've done. I just stripped away those type of foods, like the kale, the broccoli, the spinach, the cauliflower, and then the potatoes, because I was eating a copious amount of those five things. And I took them all away and I realized actually, and then I started eating more red meats, right? Because even I, it's so strange. Even I had this thing in my head I knew it wasn't true, right? Like, oh, red meat. But even I had this thing in my head, like, oh, is it going to be okay to eat this much red? And I just felt better and better. Then I started being more mindful and eating more organ meats. So I'm okay to eat any organs. I'm not the person who's not going to eat those things. I love them, uh, but I do prefer eating, obviously, steak. Um, so yeah, I started eating beef liver and just having more bone broth and just being more mindful and getting more of those uh, nutrients in from animal sources. And dude, I just started thriving real quick. I just started noticing my, my libido's, fine anyway, right? But my libido went absolutely off the charts. My strength, I noticed my recovery from the gym, but more importantly, or equally as importantly, is the mental clarity that I had, the sharpness. I wasn't getting like, I realized I was actually getting like cloudy, uh, you know, like my brain was a bit cloudy at times. And it's no wonder because my gut was constantly off. Um, and I just felt so much sharper and not to mention, saved me so much more time as well, dude. You know, in the kitchen when I was baking all my veg and then making a mess, it's much simpler. Um, so that's the way I transitioned. And then with clients, push back and how I communicate it to them. I'm just, I'm just looking at stuff real simple, right? I go, right. Beef liver. Yeah. Grass fed, grass finished red meats, egg yolks, right? 
how can we get them eating more of those things? Because in reality, you would you would agree they're probably the most nutrient dense foods on the planet, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. So I'm like, right, let's uh, see how we can get more of those. To be honest, ninety percent of my clients they're just not going to eat beef liver. And what has worked is simple things like getting them to cook it with other things like onion, something which t- even bacon if they can get good quality bacon, it disguises the taste that has helped in the past. Most of them are not going to eat it, so I get them on supplements, you know, like a beef organ supplement. Um, but yeah, I'll get them just eating basically just right. Let's see more, uh, you know, ruminant animals in, in in your diet, you know, whether that be bison, deer. Or, or uh, beef, you know, cow. Most of the time it's cow because we don't get as much of the other stuff here. And um, yeah, generally then they're like, oh, right, it's okay to, to eat this much, Rebbe. I'm like, yeah, it's great. How do you feel? They normally start feeling better because obviously, you know, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily recommend this, but if you're eating red meat uh, or beef, sorry, if you're eating beef, especially grass-fed, grass-finished, probably one of the only foods you could eat by itself. And maybe, I don't know, it depends on the person, not get much of a nutrient. Defi- it's, it's that nutrient-dense, yeah, yeah. balance of micronutrients. And they start feeling better, um, but it is hard because, you know, people struggle to... I noticed with females, uh, right, Scott, females generally, I don't want to generalize, but generally they just struggle to eat more meat. Guys have an easier time. Uh, so then we have to bring in like a protein supplement to make sure they, they're eating their protein. But all I'll do is, I'll, like I said earlier, I'll just get them to introduce more of these foods. Um, and then slowly but surely, they start um, they start eliminating more of the processed foods. And I get them to eat more things like avocado as well, which I think is a great food because obviously it's like 80% fat, loads of nutrients in it. Um, and most people enjoy it. So they'll have that with their meal. Uh, they'll start having steak and eggs. They'll start having beef mince or whatever. Um, some of them are the organ meat. And then before you know it, they're naturally replacing those processed foods with more of those whole foods. And that's when you really start getting the momentum. But it does take, it's different for every person. Like you said, some people take, it takes a long time to get to that point. Other people, it's like a switch and it's like, boom, I feel so much better. I'm going to keep eating more meat. Simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome that um, you can take that kind of incremental approach with your clients. I think that's super valuable. Um, yep. and, and I really like how you focus on, you mentioned it earlier, but add, on adding things, adding yes. things to the diet, creating more abundance in the diet rather than just Definitely. restriction and taking things out. hundred percent. And then naturally you just, you know, A, you got to bear in mind for the audience as well, there's actually research to show now two groups eating the same amount of calories, one with, I can't remember the amount of protein now, but it was super high protein, one with like low to, to, to moderate. And the group having higher protein lost more weight, right? It's actually a high thermic effect on the body when you're eating more protein as well. So what you find naturally is, A, they're not overeating as much because they're eating less uh, processed foods. B, they're having more protein. Um, and they're just naturally more satiated. So then the body just basically takes care of itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a lot of the reasons that a carnivore diet works is just because you're automatically getting a lot of protein. You're automatically um, eating less or no processed foods. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like hitting the win button in a lot of easy ways. Definitely. And if you can remove some of those problematic foods, right, that's a big one. Yeah. Any foods yeah. causing you issues on you, you know, where you have an immune response like I was, Yeah. if you can fix your gut, that's one thing I wanted to say as well, Scott, if you can fix your gut, life changes. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. I mean, if you're having like, even just the psychological benefits, if you're having gut distress all day, like that can really just hurt your life <laughs> and definitely um, can i mean there's a lot of research pointing to connection between the gut and the brain you can have uh, mental side effects emotional dysregulation um and then you know you're not absorbing your food as well um so it can be hard to either diet or or build muscle um, mm. if, if you have poor gut health 
Yeah, my physique went to a whole, and I was in great shape anyway, right, Scott, if I'm honest, but yeah. my physique has gone to a whole new, like to the point now where, and I love it, I love it, Scott, I'm not going to lie, yeah. most yeah. people are like, he's on steroids, I'm like, great, <laughs> oh, I love that, it's a compliment, like, I love yeah, that. it's a great compliment. <laughs> it's a, it's great a huge compliment. compliment. Yeah. Um, and how about exercise? What does your approach look like um, for yourself um, now that you're not competing? Like, how has it kind of evolved and, and for clients as well? Yeah, so I train smart nowadays. So I do um, jujitsu twice a week. I started doing jujitsu at the start of the year. Really enjoy that. So I do that twice a week. And I do I only do three sessions in the gym, Scott, right? So I do it the smart way. I do full body, right? So I train the full body because what you find then is, you know, you're actually hitting the body parts more often than if you were to do like a bro split. So it means you can, you can spend less time and get better results. So what I'll do is I'll put a proper program together for myself. And like every four weeks, I'll change the type of training phase I'm doing. But basically, I'm only in the gym three times a week. And people don't believe me when I say that, right? But I'm like, yeah, if you do it properly and you're smart with it, and you, you, you know, you're doing it where it's, it's a proper program, you know, you, you're going to get great results. And um, what I do then is I'll, I mentioned the rubber bands. I'll get like a little, like a light pump up maybe twice a week then with the bands on recovery days. I'm literally talking like 10 to 15 minutes, maybe four or five exercises, little circuit get a good pump on, get a heart rate up and then stop. You actually still send a muscle building signal doing that. So you actually do look fuller and build a little bit of muscle. It's not going to yeah. be drastic, yeah. you know, and also at age recovery. So I just do things a smart way now. So that's how my training looks, you know, weights three times a week, probably one or two band sessions. And then I'll do my uh, two jujitsus. Also, I like to go to like nature, just go in the ocean. That's part of my, my, my self-care uh, regime. If you like going in the ocean three, four times a week. Uh, I like to try and factor in one sauna a week if I can, but you know, there's only so much stress you can add to the body, right? So um, that's what mine looks like now. And obviously when I was competing, don't get me wrong, up until about six years ago when I started training more smart, I was always doing like bro splits and I was in fantastic shape because obviously, you know, I'm in the, what, 5% of people who would train six times a week, seven times a week, yeah, every yeah, single week, week sure. in, week out since I was 16. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, but that's why I say to people as well, I don't want to go off too much, but with exercise, it's like, you've got to look at the behavior as well. What are you going to be consistent with? If you're the kind of person that loves training six times per week and you're consistent every single week and you want to do like a split type training, that's great. Do that if that works for you. But for most people, if you look at what's sustainable for the rest of your life, that's why I always say to people, 80 to 90% of people when it comes to strength training, which is going to give you the best bang for your buck for your health and for your physique, obviously, than any other type of exercise, um, it's doing the full body. 80 to 90% of people, they're going to get better results from doing that because the average person can probably do two to three sessions for the rest of their life every week or you know, on average, whereas the average person is never going to do five to six sessions every single week. And then when you stop, it's all about that consistency. So that's how it looks for me. But I just wanted to drop that in there as well, that, you know, hitting your body parts more frequently and doing it the smart way is very, very important. But there's still a place for obviously, you know, training hard and stuff as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I love that. that. That's a fantastic approach. I think um, I'll I'll likely move to something like that in the next couple of years when I'm, uh, you know, less hell-bent on, on building as much muscle as possible. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of just a fun <laughs> pursuit for me for a few years. I know it has a short uh, uh, a short shelf life, um, if you will. But oh, yeah. It's a fun pursuit. I think it's necessary as well, though, man. You know, yeah. putting that dedication and build as much as you can when you, someone like yourself, yeah. you can dedicate that much time. Yeah. It's a great thing to do, man. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's fun for now. And I, I kind of got into the game late. I was a um, competitive lightweight rower for, for several oh, wow. years. Um, yeah, and that did a toll on me phys physically. <laughs> um, all the growing and dieting. And um, yeah, we can get in, more into that on your, Tomorrow. On your show. Tomorrow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that um for that reason i didn't actually lift weights until i was like 22 years old um because there's you know 
bad stigma it's still in, in a lot of sports and in the rowing community yeah. around like oh you don't want to put too much muscle especially on your upper body because um you know as a lightweight rower you have to be 150 pounds um mm. and so you you want to make sure you're not adding any unnecessary weight um of but i still would have been much much healthier if i did lift weights that whole time even yeah, once yeah. um but yeah, so I'm, I'm getting to this a little bit late and that's why I'm still, you know, pursuing it the way I am, but totally understand that, you know, in a couple of years, it's going to be much yeah. closer to two to three times a week and mixing in mm. more, um, probably more like activity and health promoting things, um, yep. not just lifting weights and doing cardio. Yeah, 100%. I think for me as well, Scott, I don't like to spend too much time in the gym now. Right? I haven't been a PT yeah. for like so long. Over yeah. a decade. I, I like to, you know, like I said, I like nature. Now I'm just more aware of what I need for my mind and yeah. soul. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I look yeah. fantastic doing three sessions, getting the bands out. I'm going to do the yeah. bare minimum for maximum yeah. results nowadays. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm definitely going to get to the point where like I have a, the dream is to have like a home gym in the basement. I just go down there three, four times a week for like an hour, get it done. Don't think about it anymore. Don't need to go to a commercial gym. Totally keep that part of my life separate. <laughs> I love that, mate. That's a good shout. Yeah. Um, great. Well, uh, this has been fantastic, Martin. Really great to meet you um, and learn more about yourself, your story. Um, and I'm really excited to follow along and, and see more of your content. You have some fantastic guests on your podcast. I was just looking and you have folks like uh, Jordan Syatt and uh, Carter Good, some, some really interesting names. Um, so I'm mm. going to start listening to more of those. Um, but tell folks where they can find you and all, of course, have links to everything in the show notes as well. Awesome, man. Yeah. So uh, Instagram is the main one, I guess, uh, at Martin Silver Fitness. And that's Silva spelled S-I-L-V-A. So I'm at Martin Silva Fitness. And then, uh, yeah, like you say, my podcast is on all platforms and optimize your body. It's spelled S-E though. I know you guys spell it Z-E, right? Optimize with Z-E. It's spelled S-E yeah. on the end. So optimize yeah. your body yeah. podcast. So go, go check that out as well. And I also have a YouTube channel as well, which is uh, just Martin Silva Fitness. Some good content on there, really. And that's kind of the main ones, really, mate. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Martin. And I uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on, Scott. It was great. I enjoyed that. Yeah, me too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carnivore Cast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And share it with a friend. What questions would you like answered? Or who would you like to hear from in the carnivore research community? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CarnivoreCast or go to CarnivoreCast.com. You can also email me at info at CarnivoreCast.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep it carnivore.